The Scoop Podcast, brought to you by Point Park University. We are back for another episode of the Scoop Podcast, presented by Point Park University, taking it on the road, UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex, as we record today with Sam Kassan, Michelle Crecciolo. And we said in the first episode that we set the bar really high and no one could top Mike Lang. And we're right, because our guest today can't <laughs> top Mike Lang. It is Dan Potash of AT&T Sportsnet. Well done. Well <laughs> what said. An, what an intro. We set the bar for you. Yeah, thanks. I, 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 what do you say? I can't be mentioned in the same sentence with Mike Lang. He's the Hall of Famer. You just were, though. Well, you know, really, the only thing I have in common with him is that we're both from California. That stops right there. Really, just stops right there. NorCal and SoCal, right? NorCal and SoCal. It's right. like a turf war over there, then. Uh, so, SoCal wins. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get into your SoCal roots over okay. the next little bit while we have you here. I know we wanted to talk a lot about how you got into broadcasting and how you made your way as the rinkside face of the Penguins on AT&T Sports Network. Whether what, you're 20 in... years now? It's been 20 years you've been here? 18. Uh, 18? Yeah, 18 years in Pittsburgh. 18. Um, but uh, 14th as the Penguins sideline reporter. Okay. Very cool. So what was your first job again? I know you and I have talked about this, but. Uh, so my first job actually came as the weekend sports anchor for the CBS affiliate down in Clarksburg, West Virginia, which, again, Josh, as you know, being a, a former news sports anchor for a, a news network, if you will, television network, um, small market. You know, usually you're told you got to start a small city, small station out somewhere else. So um, I had no idea where that first job would be. And I, I sent out resume tapes for three or four months from Los Angeles and I uh, got the phone call from WDTV in Clarksburg, West Virginia, and um, packed my bags and drove across the country. And um, <laughs> from Los my, Angeles to from, West Virginia. From Los Angeles to West Virginia, and my my salary that year was eleven thousand dollars a year. Oh, don't brag. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I found new ways to uh, split pop tarts three three ways uh, for ramen breakfast, noodles. lunch, and dinner. Yeah, and ramen noodles again because um, I college a second time. But it, it was. A wonderful experience because uh, there are not many small markets where you get the opportunity to cover sports at all three levels, those three levels being high school, college, and pro. So high school football there, much like Western Pennsylvania, huge. Had a Friday night high school football show um, during the season. The Mountaineers are basically like their pro team. So West Virginia hoops and football, we just went crazy uh, throughout the season uh, for those two seasons. And then Pittsburgh was only an hour and 45 minutes away, so we got to cover the Steelers, the Penguins, and, of course, the Pirates. So to have a, an opportunity to kind of do all three was really a, a cool opportunity and something that uh, a lot of people don't get a chance to do in their very first job. Um, spent two years there, moved on to Charleston, South Carolina, uh, the ABC affiliate there, and was the weekend sports anchor there. Uh, more teams, more coverage, bigger city, uh, back by the beach. Uh, it was nice to be there. And then uh, I came here as a member of Fox Sports Net in 2000 and been here ever since. What do you remember from that first season? Or, well, I guess you weren't with the Penguins. Well, I, well we covered quite, them. I mean, yeah. we televised. Fox Sports Net covered uh, and televised the Penguins and, and, and Pirates. Uh, so we did, obviously, more coverage with them than we did but other teams. But we still covered the Steelers and Pitt, West Virginia, Penn State. Uh, we did two nightly news shows, Sports Beat um, and then Pittsburgh Sports Tonight. And so it was, it was really cool to be a part of that, and I enjoyed the news beat because it continued where we covered breaking news and we'd run out to chase a story and um, we'd travel with the teams, not like, not like we do now. Um, but when uh, Sidney Crosby came to Pittsburgh, it kind of, you know, all of a sudden it, the NHL was coming back from the lockout. Uh, there was a, an opportunity to cover what was supposed to be 
the next big star of the National Hockey League right in our own backyard. And uh, our old general manager and my then news director and now our GM, Sean McClintock, asked me if I wanted to be a regular member of the Penguin broadcast crew as their sideline reporter. Uh, we had done it in bits and pieces, uh, but I was sharing it with a couple other workers at that time, uh, co-workers. Um, Charney Kuznarek, Brent Stover, Marshall Harris, for those that remember some of those names. And we would kind of rotate, but he said, we'd just like to get one person that does Penguins, one person that does Pirates, so forth and so on. And, you know, Mario was still playing. Sid was just coming in. Not a bad gig to have. I mean, those are two pretty big names. And so I, I, I took it, embraced it, and, and I had no idea that it would, it would take on the, um, the, the kind of role that it has. Well, Potash, didn't you actually get a chance to meet Sid before he was even drafted by the Penguins? Can you just tell us that story? Because yeah. I feel like it's a pretty cool one that it's you told me actually cool. recently, and I, I didn't know it. And I was like, what? This yeah. is awesome. You know, you never know what's going to happen. And um, it's funny how things happen, I guess I should say. Long story short, at that time, um, I was covering the Pirates, flying out to the West Coast, uh, flying on a commercial flight from Pittsburgh to L.A. My flight got canceled. I had a flight to Detroit. Was not happy about it because it was making a long day of travel already longer. <laughs> and I had a window seat on the original flight, and I got stuck with the middle seat from Detroit oh. to L.A., so I was even more upset. But I get on the plane, and I'm walking down. I find my row. I sit down, and I notice that the person sitting uh, in the window seat has this giant bag shoved underneath the seat in front of him and his feet are, are kind of propped up and it, it doesn't look like it's going to be very comfortable for him to sit like that for four hours but okay so i sit down and um obviously the other person comes and sits to my right so i'm in the middle and i just decide to make conversation and i look down at his bag and i see some hockey logo whatever it was maybe it was ccm or, or reebok and i said so uh how long have you been playing hockey trying to make conversation and i decide to introduce myself and I said, hi, my name is Danny Potash. And he said, how you doing? I'm Sidney Crosby. And <laughs> I, I, I knew the name and I knew the face, but I really didn't you know, know everything because, again, I was not the full hockey reporter at that time. I was covering a little bit of everything. <laughs> so I slowly shrunk into my seat and wanted to crawl underneath the cushion uh, and, and, and go away. But uh, we started to, to talk and um, had a great conversation where I told him where I was from and how I got to Pittsburgh and how I covered the Penguins and I covered Mario and he had informed me, uh, again, this was during the lockout and before the Penguins had won the bingo ball, if you will, to draft Sydney. Um, he uh, said he was on his way out to Los Angeles to work out, and Mario was going to be there. So it was just too funny. We were training. You know, all of a sudden, a four-hour flight felt like an hour. Um, so I, we land. I got up. I said, hey, you know, really nice meeting you. I wish you the best of luck. I'm, I'm sure I'll see you soon, wherever it is that you may end up. And here's what's re really kind of fun. Uh, three months, four months later, whatever it was, uh, the draft is held. The Penguins get the, the bingo ball, if you will. They select, or they're going to select Sidney Crosby, and he's doing all these live interviews from his home in Nova Scotia. So uh, media outlets all over the world are doing talkbacks with him, if you will. So we're all set up in our Pittsburgh Sports Tonight studios. I was anchoring that night. They open up um, uh, the, the the television window, if you will, for. Uh, lack of a better technical term. Uh, and I could see Sydney sitting in his home, but he can't see us. But he has a headset on so he can hear us. And the, the producer said, okay, go ahead and say hello to Sydney before we start the interview. Introduce yourselves. So I introduced myself, and he kind of nods his head, hey, how you doing? And I was like, hey, um, four months ago on a flight from Detroit to Los Angeles, you sat next to a sportscaster who was on his way to cover the Pirates and Dodgers. All of a sudden, he looks up and goes, oh, hey, I know this guy. I know this guy. And he's looking around off, off, off camera. And he's like, hey, oh, yeah, what's going on? How are you? And so I remember the look on some of the faces in our studio, like, 
how the hell, what the <laughs> heck is going on? And so it was really funny. Like, all of a sudden, we connected again. And then fast forward um, to the first day of training camp. He walks into the, uh, the old media room at Civic Arena and tons of, tons of media, Canada, Pittsburgh, wherever. Um, as soon as we made eye, eye contact, he's pointed to me and goes, hey, how's it going? Good to see you again. And it just was like, what? So it was really cool to think that um, I, I had the opportunity to, to meet him in that fashion. And who would have thought that I would then become uh, the Penguin sideline reporter for the next 13 seasons now to be the 14th season. It's just, it's funny how things work out like that. You just never know. That's so Sidney Crosby, too. He's like Rain Man. He remembers everything and everybody. <laughs> yep. And yep. just the person he is, too. And the crowd of media comes up, says hi, and how are you doing? Like, top notch dude, that guy. And I keep thinking that in the time since I've been on commercial flights and I've had to sit in the middle, that I'll sit next to some other celebrity. <laughs> and it has that, yet to happen. Been. So I'm just one and done with that opportunity, but I'm glad it happened only once. Yeah, not a bad one and done. No, it was really cool. It was, And he remembers it, too. It's really, I think it was. I think we were in row 15, 15, A and B, something like that. It just, every once in a while, we'll, you know. Well, that's it. Don't remember. Point, still, yeah. still don't remember. He probably has the tickets still. It definitely <laughs> wasn't row 13, and you know he would never sit in row 13. No, no he would not. Well, Potash, I feel like, so, you know, obviously Sid talks so much about how it was this group of young guys. Marc-Andre Fleury is obviously one yeah. of those young guys. And you know, just what was it like for you watching them kind of grow up together over the next few seasons, kind of leading into that, uh, you know, that first final appearance and then the, the Stanley Cup the year well, after. Well, first of all, Michelle, have they grown up? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure if it's fair to say that they've that's actually a, grown up just yet. That's a great um, You know, what's really funny is that they were so good at such a young age when they uh, arrived in Pittsburgh uh, to have all these superstars in that first year when the Penguins with Sydney failed to make the playoffs. Um, even though there was disappointment, you knew it wouldn't last long. You just you looked at the roster, you looked at the guys on the team, and the next year they made it to the playoffs and they um, uh, played Ottawa in round one, and you could just, okay, the experience was, was coming and the skill was only getting better. But some of those early characters like Ryan Malone, Max Talbot, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, Sidney Crosby, um, it was fun to watch them grow up because uh, I felt in so many ways I was learning from them. These are guys were, who were used to traveling, junior hockey, uh, playing in Europe, uh, you know, had been on the road a lot, uh, maybe didn't get a chance to go to college because they were so good at playing hockey that they were able to skip that. And uh, I felt like I was learning from them as they were growing up. But, you know, a lot of the time you, you get to know these guys on a personal level. Marc-Andre Fleury's English wasn't, wasn't bad, but, you know, there were times where he would ask for help. Evgeny Malkin had no English at all if you will, and an opportunity to help him along or learn how he was learning from other players on the road. I think early on his roommate was Max Talbot, oh, and geez. they would watch movies together, and that's how he would pick up on English. Transformers. By, Transformers, Transformers that's, that's right. That was, exactly. That movie, yeah. Absolutely. You watch it over and over and over, watch and over, over, again. And yep. over and over again, and I would ask Max, you know, what did you teach him? He's like, oh, we watched this movie, and I'm like, that's not teaching. He goes, no, it's a good movie. What are you talking about? <laughs> but, you know, that's how he would pick up on stuff. So it was kind of, you know, it was fun to watch him go through that. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, because of the roles that we have and the connections we have with the players, we're fortunate enough to, to get to know them as people. And, and sometimes you stay in touch with them well after their time here in Pittsburgh is, is gone and so forth. And uh, you could still reflect on some of those moments from way back when, and it's almost like you're, it was yesterday. And it, it's really cool to see that. But that was a really cool group because you, could, you really knew that there was, there was something special. Uh, did I know they were going to win the Cup in, in 2000 uh, or get to the Cup in, in 08 and then win it in 09? Uh, absolutely not. I, I certainly hope they would. Uh, but it was, so much, it was so much fun to watch them go through some of that. Uh, the early growing pains, uh, but really fun group early on. 
I feel like, okay, you mentioned you were learning from them. Were they already pranking you at this point, Potash? Because <laughs> I think what I mean, what I appreciate, and I know a lot of our fans appreciate, is the rapport you have with these guys and you know how much they love you and how much they love to tease you in a, in a good-natured way. I mean, just now, yeah. Josh and I, when we walked in this morning, I mean, Patrick Hornquist is chirping you from across, yeah. uh, across the ice from the <laughs> yeah. bench, just uh, asking you about baseball. I mean, it's just that I love seeing that. I think it's awesome. And is that, you know, how, how have you kind of built uh, your rapport with these guys and just... You know what, to be honest with you, it wasn't scripted. Uh, I think if I were able to show you guys some of my uh, early early work from the two previous stations I worked at in West Virginia and South Carolina, um, you would see that I always enjoyed having fun. I mean, who doesn't? What we get the opportunity to do for a living uh, is a fun job. Um, I love doing the human interest stories that are kind of off the beaten path, and sometimes you get a chance to uh, have fun with athletes and players and coaches and what have you in, in, in a way that's uh, not so much about wins and losses and X's and O's. So um, I, I think you probably would have noticed, okay, well, it looks like you've always been doing stuff like this, but it's reached a different level with the Penguins. Um, and it all started with Ryan Malone. Really? Uh, and I don't think a lot of people know this, but uh, at one point during his career, um, he was going through a little bit of a rut, couldn't score a goal. I don't know if it was 10 games, 15 games, but uh, it became like the buzz. Like he, could, he kept saying, well, I'll do whatever it takes to score a goal. So um, at one point at home, he finally scored. So I asked for him as my intermission guest, and I somehow started the conversation like, you know, I know you've been waiting a while now, but finally uh, you got a chance to score your first goal in, let's say it was 13 games. How's it feel? He goes, I'm so excited right now. You know, blah, blah, blah. It's so good. I, I feel so much better. Uh, I'm overwhelmed with emotion. In fact, I could use a hug. <laughs> and so I kind of stepped back and he threw his arms open and we hugged. And it was kind of a fun, like, you know, just off the cuff. You can't plan yeah, that. Right. It just happened. Right. We both laughed and he went away and I tossed a commercial break. And after the game, we joked about it. And I, I think uh, a couple <laughs> games later, he like just missed on a goal, something of that nature. And I said, well, I know the last time you felt this kind of emotion, it was after you scored a goal. Now I know you're looking to get back into that. Do you need another hug? Something along those lines. <laughs> and so we hugged it out again. And um, had some fun with that for a little while, if, if you will. And then Max Talbot came aboard. And the, oh, that's, when, out, that's when the teasing really, that's when it really started with him. He just was, um, and still is, uh, a real pain in my neck in so many ways, shapes, and forms. But uh, he's just, a, he's a really, he's a really interesting fellow, and uh, we just hit it off from day one. Uh, and we did, early on, uh, our producer uh, for Inside Penguins Hockey back then, Craig McConnell, uh, picked him as our kind of off-the-beaten-path guy. And uh, he was, uh, you know, fun guy, great personality, and we took him Christmas tree shopping. Uh, for an episode of Inside Penguins Hockey. And the guy could not have had more fun buying a Christmas tree. And you just got to know, okay, this guy's going to be special. Now, special as in scoring two goals in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final, that's a different kind of special. But um, it, just, it started from there. And if anything at all, it, it allows these players, and there's a time and a place for everything. Obviously, if the Penguins are having a, a bad night, you've got to pull back and, and not have that kind of fun. Uh, but thankfully, because of the kind of... Uh, Oh, championships they won over the last few years. We haven't had too many of those bad nights. Uh, it's, a, it's a chance for people at home to get to know them as people. And at the end of the day, if I could inform a viewer at home that uh, Casey DeSmith is really good at disc golf, for example, and take them to the course and let them see him play, it reminds them that as much as they do unbelievable things on the ice, that they still put their pants on one leg at a time. They're just like you and me. And they have uh, skills and, and uh, things they enjoy to do away from hockey. 
And if we could have some of that kind of fun on TV at the same time, then I've done my job. Well, I know you're a professional objective reporter. Professional objective. <laughs> but you got to feel part of the team when those guys are joking around with you through the wins and losses, the highs and lows. You know, It's, it's kind of hard to separate in a sense in that respect, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, you, you do have to draw the line at, at times when, you know, again, when things aren't going well, there's a time and a place for everything. But uh, I've always, I think most of us sitting here, uh, had dreams of playing our favorite sport at the highest level. I wanted to be a pro football player when I was growing up. I played high school football and realized, okay, it's going to stop after high school. My, my dreams are not going to go beyond uh, 12th grade. Well, okay. What position suit. were you? Uh, wide receiver. Wow. What number uh, were you? Uh, originally 83. Uh, and then had to switch to 89. But um, was, you know, not that they crank out many great athletes from Beverly Hills High School, but they're you could have been the next Chargers great. I could have been. <laughs> Homegrown. Well, isn't Tom Brady from California? Yeah. Yeah, there you go, Potash. Yeah, you never know. That's right. Um, but I, I, so is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's true. Lives See? in San Diego See? in the offseason. Just saying. We'll, we'll um, touch on that in a minute. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, so I, I had hopes of, of doing that, but I think that this role has allowed me to really feel what it would have been like to a certain extent. You know, traveling with the team, getting to know the guys, uh, having them go through – you know, some of the ups and downs that you, you see throughout a season. Um, again, I am not one of – I am not a player. I, 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 no one knows that better than I. But uh, getting a chance to kind of see through their eyes, if you will, over the last 14 years, I, I really feel that I, I would have had a, a, a pretty good idea of what it would have been like had it, had it gone the other way. You mentioned a lot of players. Was there one that's been your favorite so far as far as your interactions with them? Or was it one of those guys you already talked about? <sighs> you know what? I don't know if I could, I could say one, but – Talbot, Fleury, Crosby, Armstrong, um, you know. Can't imagine Dan, why. Dan, I don't Dan, those guys. Dan <laughs> the, the the famous Dan and Dan show, if you will. I can call it famous. Um, we just we just had so much fun uh, that I can't pick just one person. Uh, it's like if you were to ask me, well, you know, favorite interview of all time, I can't pick one. Okay. I've been fortunate enough to, to have so many um, fun interviews that I, I couldn't pick just one. Fair enough. Well, I feel like, too, Potash, I mean, you, you mentioned, like, helping fans get to know these guys and I feel like you know for us on the road we see all the time I mean you are working so hard I mean you'll uh, a lot of times you don't even come to practice because you're off you know shooting some sort of that's uh, what you think (laughs) (laughs) found a nice golf course around the corner ding 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 (laughs) no but I mean you're you're off shooting something for inside penguins hockey you've dug up some story angle that not a lot of people know about just what's kind of your approach to trying to find those um, you know story angles and um, really trying to help the fans get to know the guys. Well, I'll be missing you at the morning skate Saturday in Montreal because I'll be shooting one of those stories right. about an hour and a half away in Quebec. Um, you know, thank thank goodness for the Internet. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you can Google search a name and just find all kinds of connections. And if you dig deep enough, sooner or later, you'll find some kind of, of story that uh, is somewhat appealing. But really getting a chance to talk to the guys uh, and picking their brain and finding out about something. Or I find out from one of your stories. You know, I may see something that you guys write and talk about uh, or on the broadcast, whether Steve Mears or Bob Berry or Phil Bork or Mike Lang mention it. Um, it, it, it raises a flag, and I'm like, oh, I, I need to look into that. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of fun because when you approach a player, sometimes they're surprised that you know that. Uh, sometimes, or they really want to talk about it. Um, you know, later today, I'm going to have the opportunity to go out and play disc golf with Casey DeSmith, who I hear is very good, but I couldn't tell you one thing about disc golf, and apparently there's a bunch of courses in Pittsburgh that I never knew existed. So let's go. You know, that'd be great. <laughs> Another example of a guy who has interests uh, in, in a sport outside of hockey. 
great, let's go play. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, I, it goes from different sports to uh, a wine in Napa that was named Flurry, and that I never thought there would be a chance that it had any connection to Marc Andre, and it does. What's the connection? The guy that opened up this winery, his last name is Flurry. Uh, a few years ago, Brooks Orpik got married in Napa, invited a lot of the penguins out. And one of the penguins set up, and I'm forgetting who it was, forgive me, uh, set up a tour for the guys to go out and, and do some wine tasting. And he purposely set up the Flurry Winery as the last stop, and Marc Andre didn't know it was coming. So they arrived, and this and that, and so Marc Andre ended up buying up um, several bottles for his wedding, which I think was the next year. And out of nowhere, I had a friend here in Cranberry who approached me one day and said, hey, uh, I've got a bottle of, or a friend of mine has a bottle of Flurry wine. Is there any connection? I said, no way. He's not doing Absolutely not. I would have known about that. He goes, well, okay, I just figured, and he sent me a picture of the label. He texted it to me, and I went up to Marc Andre, and I said, hey, uh, kind of cool. I see that there's a bottle of wine named after you. Uh, any connection to you? You know, wink, wink. And he went, well, actually. And then he told me the story about going out there and being surprised at the winery. And so next year when we went to San Jose, guess who went to Napa oh. and did a story oh. with the what guy? A, what a tough job you got. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it was, you know, who would have ever thought that, right? Much like who would ever sat next to Sidney Crosby a year before he gets drafted by the Penguins. Right. It just, how does that happen? So I never would have guessed that. I would have walked by that bottle of wine a hundred times and said, no, no way. <laughs> but, of course, Fleury and I laughed, and we set up a, uh, a meeting between the the owner and Mark after a game in San Jose, not a, a meeting they had met before, but a chance for them to sit in the lobby of the hotel and they cracked open a bottle of Andre, Mark Andre Fleury's <laughs> wine, if you will, and had a glass of vino and, um, you know, just stuff like that. It's just, you never know how stories will come about. And sometimes it's, it's really, it's as simple as someone um, at the supermarket or on the street saying, hey, by the way, did you know? And I'm like, really? I'll look into that. And it's just dumb luck. Do you have a favorite story that you've covered? And you've gone to all these different places, Napa. I know you went to find the original Zamboni. We were in, in Southern California. In Southern, in Southern That's California. right. How about in Orange County? <laughs> Never would have known that. Rod Murray's the one who told me about that. Oh, really? Yes. So when he used to work for the Anaheim oh, Ducks yeah, yeah, in their organization, yeah, one of the first things he told me was about that story. I was like, no way Zamboni's centered in Orange County. Sure enough. Uh, would never have thought that, but that's Take what they that, Canada. Yeah. Well, who would have thought that? It's like this giant garage. It's like in a neighborhood. It's like house, 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 big garage, Zamboni inside. You would never have known it. Um, went there and, and had some fun and took Jason Seiling to have In-N-Out Burger for the first time. Um, remember that as well, because he's pinnacle, still smiling. Pinnacle moment in his life. That's right. No doubt. Um, I can't, you know what? Honestly, Sammy, I can't say just one. Uh, I, you know, the opportunity we had, and this is going back a while now, the second... Crosby's second year, we opened training camp in Halifax. Uh, went there for, or we had a part of training camp for about a week. Played two exhibition games in Moncton, uh, one in uh, Halifax, and we went out and did an hour-long special on Crosby's hometown. So it was an opportunity to go somewhere I had never been, to find out some new and really cool things about Crosby's early days, not only in hockey, but we visited his old teacher at his old school, elementary school, and um, went to his house, and it was really cool to do stuff like that. Uh, back in 09, we went out to uh, Stockholm, Sweden, oh, yeah, yeah. and played the, season. Uh, the last few days of training camp and then opened the season with two games against the Senators. Again, Stockholm, Sweden, uh, 10 days, an hour-long special on a part of the country or part of the world I've never seen before, it's and also cool. tell the team's story leading up to the beginning of the season. So, I mean, stuff like that's really cool, uh, and it's educational. Uh, but I, I couldn't name just one 
one story. I'd, I'd have to give you a list of a few, but maybe that's for another time and another day. Good, for, we can have the back. continuation yeah. of the podcast. Yeah, okay, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> well, I don't know if our listeners are aware, but Dan Potash is from Southern California. He's did, mentioned did, it. Did you pick up on that? Maybe once or maybe, twice. Maybe, maybe that's been known. So we have to talk about the Chargers, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't have to. Oh, no, we have to. How big of a San Diego Chargers fan you are. It so, goes all the way to the ringtone. Oh, let's hear it. You got it. You got it ready. I, I, I do have. I'd have to pull <laughs> it up. I'll call you while you're talking. Oh, Tash, right you now. have a ringtone. Uh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how to like make a ringtone it's, anymore. It's like 2003 all over yeah. again. First time that went off in the dressing room was hilarious, (laughs) at least that I heard it. It's in there. Um, Yeah, disheartening. Uh, And, again, the guys have a lot of fun with me being a Chargers fan. And and, uh, there's good days and bad, unfortunately more bad with that team. But uh, if anything at all, living in Pittsburgh for the last 18 years, the city of champions with the Penguins, the Steelers, um, the Pirates obviously making the playoffs not too long ago, uh, seeing what this city is like with a winning team, makes me wish sometimes I grew up here instead. Uh, <laughs> just because it's so much fun. Uh, it's like a party that doesn't stop. Uh, people have so much fun, and they're, they're so into their teams, and it's really such a, a cool cult culture to be around. It's not to say that I didn't have fun growing up in L.A. as a, as a Lakers fan. I certainly did. Uh, back in the 80s was like uh, really what it was like to be a Steelers fan here in the 70s. It was the Lakers every year against Larry Bird and the Celtics. Uh, it was just so much fun, and they were winning championships all the time, and so – um, but there's so much other stuff to do in Los Angeles. You know, there's other things you can have fun with for entertainment, the beach and, and so forth and so on. Um, here it's so driven by what the teams do, win or lose. And uh, it, it's, as soon as I got here, I knew. I was like, okay, when you think of great sports cities, Pittsburgh, Boston, New York, Chicago, Philly, I mean, these are towns that really live and die by what their teams do. And so as a sportscaster to know I was already here, why would I want to leave? Why would I want to try to find a job elsewhere? And so, uh, thankfully, I, I, I've been fortunate enough to continue to stay here. And, um, again, it, it's it's hard to be a Chargers fan from far away, but I, I found a way to do it by taking road trips every once in a while. Yeah, you may be a Southern California native, but you're a Pittsburgher now. I am a Pittsburgher, yes. very very Through true. and through. Yes, very happy to be. Very happy to be. You, and you survived the North Turner era, so. <laughs> <laughs> Just barely. Who, who was the kicker that they drafted in the second round again? Who oh, missed which, all those big field goals? I don't, I, uh, Nate Kading. Nate Kading, yeah. right? Yeah. Sorry, bro. Come on. It's ingrained in the brain. The, that was part of the Eli Manning trade. I don't want to talk about it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to bring that up. That's okay. <laughs> all right. Oh, what do we well, think? Anything you're working on at uh, oh, Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, obviously our, our first episode of Inside Penguins Hockey will debut uh, later on this month, October 27th, uh, I think prior to our game against Vancouver. Um I mentioned the opportunity to miss the morning skate coming up this Saturday. Uh, I have found out that the man who's been uh, the artist behind some of the cool designs on Matt Murray's mask over the last few seasons has been designing uh, the same kind of stuff for Marc-Andre Fleury for many years. And it actually started with his very first design with Patrick Lalime during his rookie season with the Penguins in 1997. So I am going out to his home slash studio uh, just outside of Montreal, about an hour and a half away, Saturday morning. Cool. We're going to visit with him and talk about what's behind, what was behind some of the designs that he came up with over the years for not only the flower, but for Muzz as well. And Mark Andre, uh, excuse me, Patrick Aleem was just in town with the Canadians 
he works for the television network, so we had a chance to interview him about that very first design. I don't know if fans remember, it's, it's kind of like a, an igloo um, that has some uh, broken pieces out of it, and just uh, there's darkness and these two big giant eyes just peering out <laughs> out of the darkness. I think everybody remembers that. And uh, he's kept that, that design, or he kept that design for many years as he continued to play for different teams in the National Hockey League. So what's behind that? What started that? Uh, it, it should be fun. Uh, I was really taken uh, back by what Jamie Oleksiak did in Ecuador uh, over the summer, uh, a chance to help out with the Me to We Foundation, which is something that his sister, uh, Penny, has been involved with for the last couple of years. Uh, so we dig a little deeper with him, what was behind that trip, where he went, what he actually saw. Uh, he's going to provide us with some unbelievable photographs of his time there. Um, I talked about Casey DeSmith. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, again, it's an opportunity to do some really cool stories, not only for the first episode, but throughout the season. And as you guys know, having been on the plane, sometimes these stories fall through, <laughs> either just before right. we get on the plane to, to leave for this road trip, or sometime during the air when I get in, uh, while we're in the air and I get an email and how upset I get when I lose these stories. But there's always, I don't know, five, six, maybe in as many as eight that I'll lose throughout the air where I, I'm extremely ticked off about because uh, you get so uh, excited about the opportunity to tell a story. And then when it falls apart and it's not your fault, right. you know, I'll find something else. Okay, fine. But it's like, damn, I really wanted to tell that story. <laughs> so um, I'm sure that it's already happened twice so far, and I haven't even had the first show yet. So can't wait to see what happens. But Sam will know because I'll start kicking the door in front of me in that seat. <laughs> yep. and, you know, I'll hear you. That'll be it. That yeah. actually reminds me of the All-Star game in Columbus where we had, I think it was Fleury, yeah, Malkin, Malkin and Crosby. Crosby all going. As we were driving to Columbus, they announced that Sid had an injury. and then no, Malkin. Malkin had an injury. And then and after by the that, time we arrived in Columbus, Sid – had an injury. Yeah. So it was so just, we, as soon as we, le we left with three guys in the All-Star game, when we got to Columbus, we had one. <laughs> and we had enough staff there to cover three guys. So we took a picture we with, yeah, with Flower <laughs> afterward. And it's Flower in the middle. And then I think it's like four staff members on this side and four on the other side. His entourage. There, right. Just to cover one player. So we definitely can uh, feel your pain on that potash. But I also wanted to ask, too, I know I want to know. I'm sure the fans want to know. There's theme nights coming up this season. Do you have some more awesome stuff planned, especially for Halloween? I do. Okay. Uh, the Halloween, Halloween costume is, is in-house. I have it. It's ready to go. It was something I planned to do last year, and it fell apart. Imagine that. Wait, so Darth Maul was a backup costume? <laughs> no, that was Darth Wars. Maul was Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars. Night. Oh, Star Wars. Come on, get okay, together, sorry, Michelle. sorry, sorry. Uh, what was Halloween again? I'm trying to remember. I did not. So that's that oh. was the story. Oh. It fell apart. Uh, I was waiting for the... I was waiting for the costume to arrive in the mail, and I never got it. So I was ticked off and decided I'm not, you know. Angry I was like potash. A angry kid. I'm not dressing up then. Fine. <laughs> I've had it. I'm not doing it. Mom, I'm staying home. Um, so I, I didn't dress up for that one night, but I uh, made sure that that was not the case this year. So set to go with that. Have selected a costume for superhero night. Whoa. So oh ready to go for that. Aquaman. I have not. You're Aquaman, I, I, aren't you? I've, I've got the, no. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, have not selected 70s, 80s, or 90s night. Uh, that's still a work in progress. Yeah, you got some time. That's not until January. Right. Uh, have selected a sweater, two sweaters for Ugly Sweater Night. Just haven't purchased one yet, but I have them in mind. Ooh, two sweaters? Could you do a costume change mid-game? No, there'll be one ugliness. Okay. That's okay. it. Why don't you cut them down the middle and do them both? Combine them. That'd be even uh, uglier. The one I, I have selected, one of the two, you can't cut in half. Yeah, wow. you'll, what you'll a see. Tease. What a teaser. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like um, you're a pro. And you know what, uh, Michelle, to get back to uh, Darth Maul, 
Yeah. I'm kind of glad that the Penguins decided not to do a Star Wars night because <laughs> there is no way I could top what no I did. No way. There's you just no way. all over the world with that. Couldn't top it. it. I got lucky with the yellow contacts and the face paint, and it all came together. And I'm perfect. still laughing thinking about in the locker room afterwards. Oh, yeah, walking around yeah. interviewing yeah. guys. Kodesh <laughs> was just in scrums holding his microphone yeah. out, dressed as Darth Maul, and I, like, could not keep a straight face. Neither could the players. Neither could the players. <laughs> You're right. So the other thing that was really funny about that night is when we're doing the pregame show and Colby Armstrong and I are up in the Coors Light Igloo Club at the arena, we see Potash's interview with the coach come on the screen and i was thinking the whole time when i saw him downstairs i wonder if he was already in that outfit when he interviewed sullivan and he pops on oh my god so yeah right exactly as for for listeners that can't see obviously I'm, I'm showing uh josh and michelle and sam a photo of the interview during the intermission with jeff uh jake ensel and after I signed off, if you were tossed back to the guys in the studio, he could not hold a straight face anymore. I just started busting up. And we just happened to catch it. And it, I, I mean, again, the opportunity to have some fun with it. Um, there's a time and a place for everything, I know. Um, but interacting with them in that kind of arena is just, um, it's just a lot of fun. People might not know, but your nickname is DJ Poe. It is. Where did that nickname come from? Uh, so when I was in high school, um, at the time, and I think it's pretty much the norm now, most high schools have their own uh, in-house TV station where people can uh, begin to horn their skill as uh, a broadcaster. Um, we also had our own radio station. Now, the radio station just broadcasts throughout the school and on the local uh, simulcast on the local cable station, if you will. But I was in the radio broadcast class, and um, in football, uh, sometimes people would say, my teammates would say, Poe instead of Potash. You know, hey, Poe, let's go do this, or whatever it may be. My initials are... DJ for Danny Jason, so DJ Poe just kind of came about, and so the show I had was the DJ Poe show. <laughs> <laughs> that rolls um, off the tongue. Yeah, so it just kind of went from there, and it just kind of stuck with me. And I, yeah, that's I'm not a DJ. You've embraced it. I've embraced it. <laughs> I'm not I mean, a DJ. I'm not a DJ. Outside <laughs> of that one time in high school, that was it, and it wasn't like I was spinning records or anything. I just you got the iPod show. shuffle. You used to play and walk away. <laughs> yeah, like, right. <laughs> I'm dating myself. Inside Penguins Hockey, when's the... Inside Penguins Hockey debuts October 27th as we wrap up our trip through Western Canada in Vancouver. Uh, The first of six shows. Um, Should be a lot of fun, once again, uh, doing stories about the players that are uh, not only based on on the ice, but mostly away from it so that um, we can see who they really are. If they will give me the the time to tell people who they really are and what they're all about. Well, you've given us the time. We can't thank you enough. That was awesome. Thanks Thanks for having me. Really, really very cool to kind of trek down memory lane. Uh, when I still had hair and remember some of those days. Thanks a lot. DJ Poe, the pleasure is all ours. Speaking of memory lane, thanks, Dan. Oh, nice. oh yeah. Probably we see can. him Saturday night. Can't wait to, for him to say hello like only he can. Pascal Dupuy. Good man. You choose. Four years talking about the real world or four years immersed in it. After a hands-on, career-focused education, Point Park graduates enter the workforce prepared to succeed. Professionally designed, that's the point. Point Park University, downtown Pittsburgh, pointpark.edu. And there he is, Dan Potash, the second guest ever in the Scoop podcast presented by Point Park University. Great stuff there from, as you said, Sam, DJ Poe. Yeah, love that love that nickname. I think we need to get that going. We need more people to be calling him DJ Poe. <laughs> Start the hashtag He's on Twitter. cringes next to us. <laughs> it is uh, maybe on his license plate. I've, I can't confirm. We're, we're revealing way too much about it. You know, that's the bottom line here. He said he likes to keep his personal life personal. Well, we just blew a lid on that. Yeah, hey, we're welcome called to the, the podcast. for a reason. Exactly. You know? <laughs> that's what we do. Well said. We're digging deep to find the stories below the surface. 
Is that the uh, the line that goes underneath the name of the podcast? It better be. Okay, fair enough. We'll get a trademark this new this week. But obviously there are some stories with Dan, just like we had with Mike, too, uh, from behind the scenes. Well, yeah, I mean, we talked, I feel like, a lot about how Mikey's been such a, a mentor for us and has taken care of us a lot, and I would say the same for, for Potash. I mean, I don't think you could I, – I, he's the nicest, most genuine guy I, I think I know, and it's just one of those things that, you know, you, you can't believe how fortunate you are. Not only do you work for an organization like this, but to work alongside people like Potash, I mean – it just makes everybody's lives and jobs so much easier and so much more enjoyable. I mean, uh, anytime we're flying somewhere and I get off the plane, I'm always like, Potash, where do I go? And he's always, you know, more than willing to help me out and, and take me to, you know, a media room and, uh, you know, just kind of show me what I need to do and just someone you can always talk to, always just so friendly and, and nice. And it's always uh, a pleasure, too, to watch the, the pranks the guys pull on them. Those have been some of my uh, favorite moments. I, I remember one time uh, we were on the road somewhere. I can't remember exactly where. And I want to say Potash was talking to Marc-Andre Fleury. Or no, you weren't talking to Fleury because he's the one that started taping your legs uh, to your camera guy. He took out a big roll of tape and just started, uh, you know, Potash was standing there with his microphone, and I'm not sure which camera guy it was, but Fleury just, you know, casually taped the two of them together and just walked away. Like, it was just such a natural occurrence. And uh, I don't know if, Sam, you were on the road, because I remember watching this, but uh, when it was his... I think it was his 42nd or 43rd Sixth, birthday. No, it was his 60th birthday, I think it was. <laughs> well, the, the player said it was his 50th birthday. <laughs> right. And they gave him uh, a they giant mic. microphone. Yeah, they taped it with the, oh, I've seen the, video the of player that, yeah. tape and put it around his mic. And just this huge, giant, basically volleyball, not a stick, that he's talking to. And he's doing his interviews with. And uh, that, that was that was great. Actually, I remember when Marc-Andre Fleury ran and tackled him on the bench when he was just standing there on the bench and just out of nowhere, Fleury comes leaping over great athleticism too by the way to, to get over top and do that but i thought that was phenomenal and yeah i, I can i know you guys don't have the vantage point but i can see potash's head getting bigger and bigger as we continue to talk about this <laughs> but uh <laughs> i do remember my first road trip was in philadelphia of all places and you know it was my first trip i didn't really know a lot of people i knew some staff but i didn't know a lot of the the rules regulations things you got to do and I just wandered around. I was just going to wander somewhere and go get dinner. And I saw DJ Potash, and he's like, hey, uh, the AT&T sports crew is going to grab dinner at this Italian restaurant. Do you want to come? And, you know, he brought me into the group, you know, took me out. And, of course, DJ and I go way back to the – I was an intern at FSN then. Now, obviously, AT&T Sports. But, uh, so we go way, way back. He, wow. He mentioned all those great names from, the, from his days back in the day, but forgot to drop mine. You know, I'll, let, I'll let that slide. Wow. I'll let that slide. Just but, forgetting uh, his roots. Yeah, talk about just a completely genuine, honest, good, and honest to God, he is the hardest working man in sports. He has never stopped. He's always on his laptop, always on his computer, always on his phone. The, the guy just never stops. He's digging deeper, finding all these great stories. And I, I also want to congratulate him on winning an Emmy recently, too. Oh, yeah, we forgot well, to introduce him as Emmy winning. Yeah, well-deserved, well well-earned, and, you know, took him long enough to realize the greatness of Dan Potash, but they finally came around and saw it, and... You know, so congratulations on the, the big Emmy, and, and his head's getting bigger and bigger. Just like the mic. Well, he's back. Just like the volleyball mic. And he's back and nominated again this year. And not to, you know, start a Pittsburgh media drama, but Albie Oxenreiter, Chase Williams, and Dan Potash. So Potash wow. is going to win this in a landslide, right? You got to think. Albie and Chase are coming for you now. <laughs> I, I'm clearly biased. But <laughs> well, one, one thing I will say about Dan that I appreciate is I feel like there's a lot of people that work in sports or work in hockey in, in particular and cannot have a conversation about anything else. 
You know what I mean? Yes. You, you talk to people, and, and one thing I like about Dan is that he can. It's one of the only things I like about Dan is that he can talk about other things aside from hockey. And uh, he and I obviously have a lot of football back and forth with his Chargers and my Eagles having no relation whatsoever, but he somehow finds a way every Sunday to text me when they lose and uh, rubs <laughs> it in my face. <laughs> so uh, that, that's usually how it goes with him, but I appreciate that. And that's, that's I think, what makes it – a little bit more personal with a guy like that is that every time you, you talk to him, you could, you could have a conversation about the Penguins or the NHL, but you could also talk about anything else going on in the world, and it doesn't feel like it's a forced conversation or anything like that. He's just the best. That's what it comes down to. I guess we did set the bar high with these first two guests. Yeah, I no. know. Man, good luck to the third. <laughs> Whoever that is right now, we really are happy to have you. But Okay, so also, speaking of uh, Potash's 50th birthday. 60th. Uh, 60th birthday. Someone else had a birthday recently. The guy sitting next to me also here. Also is 60th. <laughs> Josh, you look amazing for 60. Thank you. How do you do it? Uh, cryotherapy. <laughs> just like Phil. Yeah, just like just Phil. Free, freezing I'll wait for Evgeny Malkin to video me in the cryotherapy chamber, except I'm not nearly as entertaining as Phil is. Yeah, your hair might be a little better too, but you, know. you, you do have great hair. Thank you. Thank you. I try. But, yeah, so speaking of Josh's 30th birthday... Uh, we were doing, I was doing my scoop segment on the Penguins Live pregame. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we were just having a back and forth, just chatting, talking. And all of a sudden, I just, we're just surrounded by this group of people. And it actually scared me at first. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> like, I don't scared know you. what's going on. I was trying to toss the break. I thought I was getting ambushed. <laughs> I mean, you were definitely a true pro. I, I don't, you know, people that were listening, I, I don't think they realized what was actually happening at that moment. But, uh, all of your family, well, your wife did an amazing job of uh, organizing a surprise for you to have your parents, her parents, uh, her brother, right. your sister, uh, friends. Let's see how many you can get. Was, yeah, just to say a group of ten. Yeah. You don't you okay. want to go into detail. She got a the big Pope group. was also We're there. a time limit here. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Bettman showed up. It was really People special. were already tuning out. But you got a big group of uh, friends and family there to surprise Josh wearing shirts with his face on the front, uh, his name on the back, Getzoff, and the number 30 underneath, and holding his face on a stick. <laughs> so it was just, <laughs> he had no idea it was happening. Uh, it was it was pretty incredible, and they were just everywhere in the arena that night, which yeah, was, was even more. It seemed amazing. like they always popped up. And I should preface by saying that my wife knows that I've never been a big like birthday guy. I don't like a lot of attention for it, so she purposely went over the top to make me feel extremely uncomfortable, which she succeeded in doing, <laughs> as I was extremely uncomfortable. But what you guys didn't see that was also extremely underrated. Unfortunately, the Penguins lost the game that was leading up to my birthday. They lost five to one to Montreal. And when I do the post-game show with Phil Bork, that's always kind of like a, a loss like that, the way we saw them lose. It's kind of a, you know, it's a somber show. You're not really going to pump a lot because there aren't a lot of positives. But I didn't know that Maddie, my wife, had gotten Borky a shirt. <laughs> and so I'm in the middle of doing the post-game wrap-up, not wrap-up, but one of the intros to the segments of the Lexus Club, and he comes motoring in with the shirt on, and he's just fist-pumping, walking in. I, I lost it again, and I'm thinking, now the listeners are like, why is this guy laughing? They just lost 5-1. to one. And it was it was a hilarious moment. I, I I really I did appreciate it, but it was it was something that I I did not expect at all. So it was gets cool. off army overtakes PPG Paints Arena. <laughs> yes, all the shows these are sold out, by the way. In case you were interested, I, I want one. I want to know where mine is. I know. I have to contact my wife. She's she works for UPMC, so find her in the directory. Oh, perfect. perfect. I, maybe I have to look on eBay. I might have to do something. But I we are gonna get those shirts and we are gonna wear them uh, <laughs> proudly. But yeah, we just want to say happy uh, happy birthday to you, Josh. And yours is coming up. 
It is coming Can't up. Can't wait to see what the fans do in uh, Brooklyn, right? That's where we're going to be. That well, is where we'll be. Michelle uh, faces on their shirts. They'll have their curled mustaches and Pabst Blue Ribbons celebrating <laughs> with Michelle. Cal Clutterbuck will be there. It'll be great. <laughs> Perfect. Tight I can't jeans. Wait. Yeah. Nice tight jeans. Uh, I knew Michelle when she was 20. <laughs> <laughs> I knew her as a Spartan. Now she's a penguin. Yes, I am. Well, this was another fun episode. Yeah, We're going to be back in a couple weeks with our next one, but this is obviously available on iTunes, SoundCloud. Penguin's Twitter is going to tweet it out. So lots of ways to listen to it. If you don't listen to it the first day it's released, you have some time. Maybe you're in the car doing whatnot. You can tune in and listen to the Scoop podcast. So for Sam Kassan and Michelle Crecchiolo, I'm Josh Getzoff. We also want to thank Dan Potash of AT&T Sportsnet, who's running away as we finish the show now. <laughs> He's heard us talk about him enough. But we thank everyone for tuning in, and we catch you next time on the Scoop Podcast presented by Point Park University, because that's the point. The true value of a college education is realized after you graduate. Point Park is an affordable private university that's big on return for your investment. When you're prepared, success comes naturally. Surprisingly affordable, that's the point. Point Park University, downtown Pittsburgh.